So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jonah chapter 2, and we're a Bible teaching church, so we teach through the Bible. Last week we talked about Jonah chapter 1, the predicament, the predicament. Today we're talking about the prayer, the prayer, all right? We're going to talk about the title of the message is, what to do when God interrupts you. What to do when God interrupts you. Jonah was interrupted. We're going to make three observations of what Jonah did when God interrupted him, the very same things that you can do and apply to your life when God interrupts you. So if you are able to stand to your feet, we're going to be encouraged by the public reading of Scripture. I'm going to read 117. You're going to read verse 1 and verse 3. All the Scriptures are right there, and I want you to read loud. Fill the house of God with the Word of God. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 says... Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. And I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. Father, thank you that we're here, and Lord, we want to bless you and thank you that we're here. Thank you for the amazing opportunity to gather. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that as we open the Word, the Scripture, the God-breathed Word of God, that we would receive from you your Word, that you would uh, convict us and speak to us and encourage us and challenge us and, and stir our hearts, not just to be hearers, but to live out what we hear and to walk in this truth. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone agreed by saying? So if this is your first week with us, last week's message, The Predicament, is online for free forever. You can check it out there. But this is a story about a man who ran, about a man who was interrupted by God. The Bible said in Jonah chapter 1, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, So it came unexpected. He didn't know it was going to come, and it just shows up in his life here. It was not pre-planned, couldn't look at it on his day timer or iCalendar plan or whatever. No, God interrupted Jonah to give him a new assignment for his life. And tethered to God's interruptions are his assignments that he has for you. So Jonah was given a a job by God, and he refused the job. God said, Jonah, I want you to go. And Jonah said, no, I'm not into it, not interested. I'm going to hit the decline button. In fact, I'm going to hit the eject button, and I'm going to go to Tarshish. In fact, I so don't want to do this that I'm going 2,500 miles by ocean to Tarshish to escape from the presence of the Lord. So how many people know this created a problem with God? So what happened was Jonah went, it'd be like today, God saying, I have an assignment for you on the East Coast, New York, and you taking off and going to San Diego, getting as far as you can away from where the assignment was. So God is going to let Jonah run, not going to just let him run. He's going to run after him. So God laces up his tennis shoes. God's coming after Jonah, not going to let him escape, not going to let him hide, not going to let him... uh, uh, be anything other than what God ultimately wants him to be. And so the God of all creation then shows up. 
in a storm. The God of all creation will show up in the way of the great fish here. And so a violent storm hits the ship. The sailors are freaking out. They're throwing things overboard. They're trying to row faster. They don't want to murder God's man, the messenger. So they keep trying harder and harder. Nothing works. They cast lots. They fall on Jonah. They recognize, you're making God mad, so we're going to throw you overboard. Jonah says, yeah, uh, throw me overboard, and the sea will become calm. So they did that, and now we end up at verse 17, where we ended last week. If you want to look at the screen. Now the Lord had arranged or appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So what happened here is God sent the great fish. Like when you see the splash, that's lunch. You take down Jonah. And so the Bible says, though, that watch, look up there, the Lord arranged. Now notice they're all capitals. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, which means Yahweh arranged. We'll explain that later. But arranged. So arranged in the original Hebrew language means to assign. It means to purpose. It means to ordain. God assigned that the great fish would swallow the prodigal prophet. So what is Jonah to do when he's in the belly of the whale? Like when he's being interrupted by God, when he's experiencing a timeout. So we're going to talk about what to do when God interrupts you. But Jonah chapter 2 really is all about his prayer, all about his response when God interrupted him. And we're going to see three action points. Not if, but when you're interrupted by God. So I don't know if there are any sports fans in the house. Are there any sports fans in the house? Okay, about a third, maybe. Anybody like basketball? You like basketball, okay. Not a lot of basketball fans. Does anybody like football? Okay, there it is. Okay, all right. So all of you that have done sports, you know that when the coach is not happy with how the team is doing, when the coach has got to call a timeout because they're messing up, they're not executing, they're not focused, they don't have the right intensity to play the game, they're messing up. So what he does is he calls timeout, and you'll see him. They'll run out and they'll go like this, sometimes with a lot of intensity, and they'll run at the ref going like this, timeout, timeout. They'll do it in basketball too. And it means stop the game, got to call timeout, got to talk to the team. They're not getting it. I have to reset my team. I got to remedy the team. The team is missing the purpose, the trajectory that we're on. We're going to lose the game. So timeout, then he reroutes the team, resets the team so the team can go out so they won't be defeated. And hopefully now they'll win. They'll have victory. Well, that's what God was doing with Jonah. Jonah would say, I'm an expert at timeouts. I know what it is to have God call a timeout. So we saw God sovereignly and graciously uh, tell Jonah, time out through a storm and the great fish. So this brings us to Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Now notice it says then. Not after Jonah was thrown into the water. Not after he started to go down, like you think he's stressing out. Not only when he saw the great fish. Not only when he was swallowed. He's not praying, not praying, not praying. One day, imagine one day, it's awful inside there. He's in a bad, bad place. It's slimy, it's slippery, it's salty. There's a stench of seaweed. His body can decompose from the gastrointestinal intense hydrochloric acid 
inside the belly of the great fish. So one day goes by nothing, two days go by nothing. Then after watch, three days, finally, Jonah prayed. How many people think Jonah was, was stubborn? Think Jonah was stubborn? Yeah, come on, have you ever been stubborn, you know? God trying to get through to you. So Jonah's so stubborn. It says that he was inside the fish. Was the fish a happy place or a sad place? It was a pretty sad place, huh? So when God wants to speak to you, it's not always a happy place. Sometimes you have to be in a sad place for God to get your attention. And so uh, the bad place is, uh, is in the belly of the fish. That's a bad place to live, but it's a great place to learn. It's a great place to have God speak to you. And so God was not absent in the interruption. We need to see that. That in the interruptions that you experience, though they're hard to go through, God is not absent. God is ever-present in the interruption. The Bible fact says that he is an ever-present help in times of trouble. So God is helping you in the interruption, getting your attention, developing you, growing you, transforming you, giving you perhaps an attitude adjustment so that you will go from being disobedient to obedient and get on with God's program. So chapter 1 is all about God's intervention. Well, what was chapter 2? Chapter 2 is all about God's rehab. So Jonah in chapter 2, he's in rehab here. You, you, you guys, some of you have been in rehab. So uh, that was funny. I don't care what you think, but that was funny and you didn't get it. So, uh, or maybe you got it and you didn't like it that I said it. So, uh, but what do you do when God calls a timeout? Okay, he calls on Yahweh. Watch this. Then the Lord, uh, then he prayed to the Lord. Now notice what it says there. He prayed to the Lord. So the original Hebrew language is Yahweh. He doesn't use any of the other names of God. He doesn't use Adonai, El, Elohim. He chooses Yahweh. Why does he say, why does he cry out to Yahweh? Why doesn't he say, why does he cry out to Adonai? Why does he cry it out to El or Elohim? Because Yahweh means I am that I am. I'm the eternal existing God, the God who is with me. Jonah needed a God who was with him. It literally means that he's a personal, relational, intensely personal God. He doesn't need an out there, distant God. He needs a personal God to help him. A God who, who speaks to him in all walks of life. A God who will rescue him. A God who will fight his battles. So he's very specific when he's in crisis mode to say, Yahweh, I need you. So when you're interrupted, you're in timeout. Number one, you pray. Pray to God here. And so that's when, friends, we need the eternally existent, all-powerful, unchanging, intensely personal, relational Yahweh. You, you pray. I really believe this, that God is calling us, God is calling his big C church to prayer. And by that I mean that God is calling us back to a place and a season of prayer. More intentional prayer, more corporate prayer, more focused prayer, getting fired up about prayer. Because how many people know things aren't going very well in our nation? You know what I'm talking about? Things are not going well, and prayer changes things. So we need to step up, we need to rise up, and we need to pray. That is it. We talk to God all the time. You talk to Him on a regular basis. You bring your cares and concerns, your trials, your tribulations, your tumultuous circumstances. You bring 
all of that before God. And I want to say this. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Look, Jonah, how disobedient can you be? 2,500 miles, I'm going to get outside the presence of God. Now he calls upon God. God is delighted that he called upon him. So it doesn't matter how far you have fallen, how much you've disobeyed, how far you've run. God desires that all of us, friends, converse with him, commune with him, uh, walk with God and talk to God. Uh, when you're on the treadmill, when you're out in your neighborhood, when you're just out there walking, when you're out there working, uh, talk to God all the time. The Bible puts it this way, pray without ceasing. Ephesians says, pray all the time. So how many people think Jonah was stubborn? Come on, somebody. Was Jonah stubborn? Yeah, have you ever been stubborn? You got a, you got a stubborn gear inside you? Many of you got a stubborn gear, don't we? Okay, some of you have stubborn gears. The speaker uh, this morning does not have a stubborn gear inside him. You'll be delighted to know. I'm just kidding. So, but chapter one, I'm not going to pray. Jonah's miserable. Seaweed wrapped around his head. Fish kind of slapping on his face. Decomposing. I'm not going to pray. Day one, day two, finally day three. Then he says, he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. Some of your translations read, because of my affliction. So when it says in my great trouble, that means in my tight spot. I was in a constricted, restricted spot. There was a tight situation. That's when I finally called on God. And I wonder how many times in our lives it takes getting into a restrictive, compressed, uh, I can't breathe in here, I can't go forward, I can't go backwards, I can't go up, I can't go down, there's no room in here. And then you finally, you cry out to God. See, Jonah's situation required that he open his mouth and he cry out to God. And friends, we have situations just like this that require you open your mouth and you cry out to God. And so, friends, we need to learn to open our mouths and cry out to God and not be ashamed. Not be ashamed to, to pray with open mouth, open hearts. I need you, Lord, I need you. Every day, I need you. So you can call on God, like Jonah, wherever you are, anytime, anywhere, inaudibly, audibly, just call on God. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray every now and then. Pray when you feel, pray at all times. In other words, a lifestyle of prayer is what the Bible is exhorting there. Now, when we analyze this prayer, it's an absolutely amazing prayer. So he writes uh, 10 verses in chapter 2 in his prayer. Eight times, eight times he's quoting the Psalms. Which, what does that tell you when he's quoting the Psalms? He's effortlessly uh, delivering things he's committed to memory, and he's talking about the Psalms. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times quoting the Psalms. What does that tell you about Jonah? Did Jonah happen to maybe have committed some of that to memory, that then it came out when he was praying? Do you think it's possible that anyone here, that maybe we could do the same thing like Jonah? Maybe this is here, the Bible says, all these things are for our example to us. So friends, I'm, I'm encouraging you that you hide God's word in your heart and then you can pray what God says. For example, 
This is what it looks like in my own life. Is that maybe I don't know what to do. I'm not sure, lack wisdom. God, you said in your word, if anyone lacks wisdom, just ask you and you would give it. I will not withhold it. So Lord, I'm asking you for wisdom. Just like that, that's simple. So you build that into your life. He said, I cried out to God in my trouble. How many people know that trouble can grind you to a halt and cause you, encourage you to pray? Come on, trouble does that, doesn't it? And so I want to urge everyone here to get super honest with God and simply cry out to God in your trouble. Get super honest with God. Father, help me. Help me to see beyond the darkness. Father, help me to see your hand in what's going on here because I sure don't see it. I want to trust in you, the bigger picture of what you're doing. Lord, I'm calling upon you. And then he says, and Lord, you heard me. You heard me from a place you would think God would never hear him from. 2,500 miles, going to Tarshish, seaweed wrapped around his head. Just such an obstinate, I will not pray. After three days and three nights, he prays. He says, and God, you heard me. See, friends, that's what, what God is like. So he says, I thought I was going to die. The man was in a place of certain death, and he thought he's going to die, but then he cries out to God. Watch this, verse 3. Look at that with everybody. Everybody, look at that. You threw me. What about the sailors? I thought we just talked about the sailors. About the sailors threw him overboard. He says, you threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. See, what is he realizing here? But he's realizing that God was at work. The sailors threw him in the ocean, but he says, you, you threw me. I know it was you. I know it didn't happen by chance. I know that you are at work behind the scenes there, God. I know it's your plan and your purpose. You threw me. It may have been the, soul, the sailors, but it's actually you, the hand of God behind all of that, throwing me into the deep. I just want to remind us, friends, that if you're a Christ follower, you need to understand this, that behind everything that happens to you, God is at work. God is at work. So why did God throw Jonah to the bottom, give him a little time to think, a little time to have an attitude adjustment? But God was at work. He said, the mighty waters engulfed me, and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, oh, Lord, you've driven me from your presence. That was really not true, but that's what he thought. Yet, I will look once more toward your holy temple. In other words, he's saying, I'm coming out of this. I will see your holy temple again. He's saying that as soon as I get out of this dilemma, I, I'm going to make my way to church. I'm coming back to your temple. As soon as I get out of the belly of this great fish, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to be with God's people. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to the day I'm in the holy temple again. And I just want to say, friends, and everybody watching online, wherever you're at in your life, Always make your way back to the church of Jesus Christ, the holy temple. How timely is this when after a two-year, two years of COVID, endless COVID, and half of Americans are left church for legit reasons, uh, uh, completely legitimate reasons for health reasons and all that, 
But I wonder if the word of the Lord is, now it's time to make your way back to the holy temple. Are we supposed to just exit forever? And like, like, there's a church, it's God's idea. So I think that uh, when, whatever happens in life, no matter how low you go, may these words be written over our lives, always go back to the holy temple. So what do you do when God interrupts you? Well, you pray. But secondly, you look up. That's what he did here. I looked up to your holy temple, and he turned toward God. He trusts in the Almighty. Look at verse 5. And I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped its way around my head. Just imagine that in, in your mind. And I sank down to the very roots of the mountains, in other words, the depths of the sea. I was imprisoned in the earth that's in the belly of the great fish. The gates, like, locked and shut me in forever. Now watch this. But, so it seems hopeless. Utterly hopeless. Humanly speaking, hopeless. But you, where'd it go? But you, I sank down. Okay, next verse. Next verse. But you, O Lord my God, you snatched me from death. So he says, you, God, were greater than my circumstances. He says, there was no hope. I was sinking fast, but you made it happen. And so I, I was in total utter darkness, and I turned toward you. I wonder how many of us we could actually write our own deep sea story, like our own Jonah chapter 2. Like everybody has a story, and I'm going to share some stories that are Jonah chapter 2-esque in just a little bit here. Jonah saying, it looked like it was over for me. It looked like there was nothing that I could do. There was no hope, and no way out. But God, you always have the final word. And you snatched me, notice, you snatched me from the jaws of death. So he did, in fact, rescue Jonah. Say, God, you didn't abandon me. God, you didn't forget me. You didn't write me off. You, when I chose to run away, you chased after me. You came after me. That's who you are. So God was at work in the water. God is at work in the darkness. How important, friends, to remember that even when you don't see him, God is at work. Did not we sing that today? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. Come on, somebody. You never stop working. That's who God is. The God that never stops working no matter how bleak, no matter how dark your circumstances, no matter how suffocating or restrictive, whatever tight place you're in, God is a God who never stops working. Verse 7, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. So he looked to God uh, when he's beginning to lose hope, utterly hopeless to save himself, his back against the wall, and God saves him. And my earnest prayer, watch, earnest, not my casual, not my, oh God, you know, would you do so? But my earnest, my passionate prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Now, I love this next verse. Those who worship false gods turn their, their backs on all of God's mercies. Now, what is that saying? Those who worship false gods. In America, do we worship false gods? Yeah, I better believe it. Uh, so somebody once said, our hearts are like idle factories. So they turn their backs on God's mercy. So do you spend your life 
worshiping little g-gods. You forfeit knowing the love and the truth of the almighty living God. So he's saying that, what a waste of life. You will miss out on God's mercy. You will miss out on who God is. The truth is that the little g-gods, they can't keep Jonah from, from uh, being uh, drowning in the ocean. Little g-gods can't rescue him. Little g-god can't save him. Little g-god doesn't love him. Little g-god didn't create him or recreate him. Little g-god uh, can't sweep away his failures. Little g-god can't give him a new heart. Little g-god can't transform him. Little g-god can't uh, help him see the bigger picture of life. Little g-god has no supernatural power. Little g-god can't answer his prayers, can't hear his prayers. Little g-god can't give him eternal life. You see what happens, friends? If you chase all the stuff, all the empty stuff out there, and, and you make little g gods your God, you will miss out on knowing and experiencing the love, the truth of the living God. You'll experience his unfailing love and mercy. So Jonah is saying, I would be crazy to turn my back on you, God, and pursue the little g gods. Now look how Jonah concludes verse 9. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows. I'll do what you want me to do. For my salvation belongs to the Lord alone. Now Jonah is praising God in the pit, seaweed wrapped around his head. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we get a little bit irritated when it's a little bit warm like today. Okay, and that affects our praising God in America where we got to have everything just right, you know, to praise God all around the world. They, they are, are praising God, sweltering heat and all that, kids loud and under trees. So uh, just a little bit of an adjustment here. I'm offering songs to you in the belly of the whale. My body's decomposing, seaweed wrapped around my head, fish are slapping me like this, and I'm going to praise God. So there it is right there in your Bible. I will fulfill all my vows. Why? Because you rescued me in spite of me. When I was doing me, you intervened, God. There's no one like you. So I want to conclude. I want to close. You're supposed to say, no, don't close. Just keep going. But I'm just joking. I have a homework assignment for you, for real. Like, no joke, I have a homework assignment for you. And I'm counting on you, and I know you can do it, and I'm expecting you to do it. So here's your homework assignment. I want you to, I want to invite you to sit down, take some time, and write out your own deep-sea Jonah story. I want you to use Jonah chapter 2 as a template for your story, to write down your personal rescue story of gratitude right along with Jonah. And I think how super cool it would be if we could get some of those stories. They could circle back here by email or drop them off in the offering box, but I would love that. So I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But Jonah repents. Jonah goes in a new direction. Jonah says, God, whatever you want. And so God reroutes him. God resets him. God calls time out. And during the interruption, Jonah gets it. Jonah had to repent. Jonah was going like this, doing his thing, going to Tarshish after three days and three nights. Okay, I'll call out to the Lord. Now he repents. 
Now he's going God's way, which was Nineveh. He said, no, no, no to Nineveh. God said, well, Jonah, okay, we're going to do life together. It's not going to be a happy place. And finally, he repents and goes God's way. And so what do you do when God interrupts you? You pray to Yahweh, the God that's like a personal father to us, okay? And then what do you do? You look up, you trust God, and lastly, you repent. Now, it suffers a little bit of an image problem, repent, sound like, ah, repent, you know? No, it's your friend. Your best life is on the other side of repent. That is your God-ordained, God-designed best life. So you should love the word. When you hear that, you go, yeah, what do I need to change? Because it, it is going to go well with you when you repent. Finally, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Only God can save. So I want to take a moment, and I want to read to you four stories. They're true stories about people that have been rescued from a variety of things. The first one is a woman who's going through a really brutal divorce. She writes this, and I quote, In an empty house and with a broken heart, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. I was hurled into a world I didn't know. Working outside the home, managing finances, making decisions all by myself, I was without a husband. Lost from my old friends, faced with confused children, I had nights without sleep and days without purpose. All I had once known and loved was gone. But you heard my cry, O Lord, and you saved me. And you reminded me of your presence, your promise, never to leave me nor forsake me. And you brought friends from afar and wide to, to give me strength and shower me with love and point me to my purpose. And they brought furniture to my house and food for my cupboards and a car filled with gas. And started me on my own business, which I now own. And you brought me to a place of worship and prayer that changed me forever. And you became all that I needed or would ever need. My constant companion who whispered encouragement and love. My heart is so full sometimes I think it will burst. And you came and you saved me from my darkest hour and you brought light that refuses to fade. And here's a woman who struggled with a series of miscarriages and went through a long period of infertility. So honest, she wrote this. Lord of my life, can you hear the groanings of my soul? Too exhausted to cry out to you. I just murmured prayers in the dark. Can you hear me? I am a storm tossed with anxiety. My soul is restless and weary. And in your tenderness, you hold me close. You let me weep in your embrace until I fall asleep. I awaken with a new song in my heart. You are God, the God of my hope. You fill my heart with joy and peace as I put my trust in you. A man writes, 
For years I ran as hard and as fast as I could away from you, O God. My desires revolved around material things, anything that gave me the appearance of success to those around me. I, like Jonah, was drowning, drowning in debt, chasing something I could not get. No matter what I have achieved, that was never enough. I felt lonely, empty, unfulfilled. Nothing seemed to satisfy me. I kept chasing the dollars, hating myself. I believe you, O God, allowed me to spiral out of control. You let me sink to the bottom till the light was turning to dark. And then you put people in my life that loved you, showed me how to love you. It was like the sun was coming out. It was like swimming from the dark abyss to the sunlight on the surface. Today, I have real friends that accept me for me. Not for what they think I am or what I can do for them. And I have you, O Lord, to thank for this. I discovered that life is not all about me, me, and me. It's all about you. You pulled me up from the grace grave alive, just like Jonah, and my salvation belongs to the Lord. And the last one is a student, a student who was rescued from an eating disorder and wrote this. Barred beneath my pit of perfection, the scale, the mirror, the failure, the pressure, my worth was my weight. To be more was to be less. I was always full, always empty, always never enough until my salvation came from the Lord. For I'd been rescued by God. Without charge, he brought me up from the pit. My father, my rock, my reclaimer of years. He has restored the weight of my worth. To be less makes him more. He is always full. He is never empty. And always more than enough. So what is your fish story? Like, what's your story? Everyone has a story. This is bigger than an Old Testament chapter. This is about you and your story. A story that God is writing and a story that you could put to script. So if you bow your heads, the worship team comes up. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that salvation belongs to the Lord. Thank you that you are mighty to save. Thank you that you are the God that rescues. Thank you that you are the God that when you intervene in our lives, when you interrupt our lives, it is for a purpose, a purpose that we would pray, a purpose that we would look up, a purpose that we would trust in you, a purpose that we would turn to you. Father, I pray that you would take your word and do what only you can do and bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.